Attention, this is not legal advice. If you are experiencing a legal emergency, contact an attorney or your local public defender's office. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Gin and Justice. talk about justice hey i'm justine and i'm amanda welcome to another legal brief with gin and justice hey have you left us a review yet (laughs) (laughs) please do so leave us a review social medias we're on them all of them and you can find them at the bottom of our show notes yeah and that's where you'll find any updates from us which there haven't been a whole lot lately so if you are following and you're like, you guys are liars, there's no updates on there. It's just because there's not a lot happening lately. So for our us. lives, our lives are wacky <laughs> at the moment. One day when I'm not homeless anymore, right? <laughs> things right. will be normal again. Well, don't say that because it takes, it takes a minute. That's true. It takes a minute. So yeah, but that just means 2023 is going to be great. Oh, it's going to be my year for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> It's going to be a gin and justice year in 2023. Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, it is a legal brief. So we did want to address some criminal justice news. And I know that probably not one of our articles we're going to be bringing up, but we have secured the release of Brittany Griner. Yes. So there's a lot of reaction on the on the interwebs about that. There is a lot of reaction that I'm not even going to get into. A lot of misinformed information. So, yeah, (laughs) there's that. There's that. But anyway, so she's home, so that's good. Um, I'm sure her wife, who's been fighting, I think the number was 292 days to get Mm -hmm. her home, is very happy to have her home for the holidays. So that's nice. Beautiful. Amanda. Yes. You have an article. Yeah, you want me to go first? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're getting at? That's what I'm getting at. My article is out of Arizona. It was published by Arizona Daily Sun, and it was written by Sierra Ferguson. And the headline is, How Do We Prevent Crime? Coquina County Asks Epidemiologists to Help Answer the Question. Is crime a disease? How does it spread? And what causes a person to commit an offense? A $21 million grant from the Arizona Criminal Justice Commission will be issued by Coquino County officials to hire epidemiologists, scientists who study disease, to take a data-driven approach to stop crime before it happens. Those scientists will be hired by the Coquino County Department of Health and Human Services to examine matters such as food insecurity, access to education, access to mental and physical health care, child care options, and employment opportunities things experts call social deterrence of health and measure their lack alongside of incidents of crime. Yeah. I also think it's really important. I'm sure they'll come across this, but to remember that crime is not necessarily like something immorally wrong. It's what the legislators of whatever jurisdiction deem a crime to be. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, I don't know if you heard about that woman in Alabama that was 82 years old and she was jailed for not paying her $77 trash bill. 
She was arrested. I don't know if you heard about that. Thank you. I would, if I was a police officer and they were like, go arrest this woman for not paying her trash bill. And I got there and it was an 87 year old woman. I'd be like, I guess I'm not a cop anymore. Because there's no way I'm arresting an 87 year old woman for not paying her trash bill. 82. Whatever. Whatever. 80 whatever. (laughs) 70 whatever. I don't feel like that's yeah. protecting and serving the community. If anybody wants to look it up, it's Martha Menafield, 82 years old, jailed for not paying her $77 trash bill Ugh. in Valley, Alabama. Disturbing. Yeah. But anyways, back to what you were saying. Yes. Just want to put that out there to remind people <laughs> that crime isn't necessarily something that is morally wrong and that like somebody needs to be in jail for. Right. Most crimes are not violent. The great thing about epidemiologists, they come with a health and human focus on getting information and data, said Kim Musselman, director of Coquina County Health and Human Services. They go to school to learn how to drill down, collect data, and analyze data, whether it's hospitalization rates or causes of death and injury. Instead of looking into the spread of diseases as a function of the food insecurity or lack of housing, they'll be specifically looking at the spread of crime as a result of the same disparity. Shoplifting, trespass, disturbing the peace, indecent exposure, certainly they're crimes, but really they're symptoms of a deeper issue in the community and these individuals' lives but also in the community surrounding the social deterrence of health, said the Coquina County attorney, Bill Ring, whose office led the way of securing the grant. Indecent exposure can link back to housing insecurity, while theft can be tied to hunger or addiction, which can also be linked to mental health challenges. Some data exists at the state level already, but according to Ring, much of the information is broad and looks at Coquina County as a whole. The goal of this research is to drill down to a granular level moving street corner by street corner, neighborhood by neighborhood, to model the drivers of crime. I'm thinking of a heat map, like a weather map that has a really heavy rain and the colors go from red to green to yellow. We're creating a heat map of our social deterrence of health, Ring said. The $2.1 million in this year's award will go towards creating the map, the first part of the plan. Phase one is all about gathering actionable data. Phase two is about translating the data into action. Using the data as a springboard, Ring and Musselman hope partnerships will form between social service providers and nonprofits that are already working to address housing, education, health, and employment. We want to be focusing on the prevention side. How can we have a much better plan and practice? How can our partners meet the needs of the community, said Musselman. Ideally, with more information, resources can be cultivated where they're most needed and solutions targeted in a specific geographical way. Our law enforcement officers are out there buying diapers for shoplifters' families, recognizing that there's a reason for their actions. If we can find positive ways to intercede and solve those problems, there are a lot of people investing in doing that, Musselman said. The county attorney's office has been advocating at a state level for years, working towards securing and funding what will kick off that project. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey approved a $10 million budget appropriation that made diversion funding available to counties statewide through Arizona's Criminal Justice Commission grant. We originally asked the legislator for $20 million for all 15 county attorneys, Ring said. The legislator gave us a haircut to $10 million, but they also eliminated Maricopa and Pima counties from eligibility. 
That leaves 13 county attorneys and 10 million. Of the 13 counties remaining, Coquino received 21% of the total, more than any other Arizona county. I think ACJC sees merit in what we're proposing. After it was granted, Coquino County still had to apply for a newly minted grant. We asked for $4.7 million because we aim big. We wanted this to be about data and implementing practices and programs. We're still going to do that. We'll secure additional funding, Musselman said. Ring believes the funding is important and practical because the financial weight that nonviolent crimes in particular place on the criminal justice system. He pointed out that often the majority of crimes, particularly shoplifting, indecent exposure, disorderly conduct, and crimes related to addiction, are often committed by repeat offenders. Prior to COVID-19, 25% of jail costs were generated by the cost of incarcerating the same 140 individuals, according to Ring. Many times the crimes are committed by repeat offenders, Ring observed, connecting to the lack of resources. I prosecuted a case like this when I was younger. We had a shoplifter. He built a hot dog and ate it before he left the store. They called the police. The police made an arrest for the shoplift of a $2.50 hot dog. It was his 56th event, but he stole a hot dog because he was hungry. It was out of basic hunger, a basic human need, an insecurity that needed satisfaction. If the granular data gathering and modeling leads to measurable crime reduction, Coquina County could be on the brink of an important step forward for public safety and community health. Having worked in Coquina County for many years, Musselman said, and being involved in a lot of the areas of criminal justice and health and human services, Coquina County has always been very forward leaning. We're always looking for a broader sense. The people in our criminal justice system are our families, our neighbors, and our friends. The end. (laughs) it would be interesting to see what data they pull and what's kind of frustrating about this though is that we have data i know and they don't listen to it anyway right so that i'll be interested to see if maybe because it's now state-funded data and it's funded Mm -hmm. by the legislature if they'll actually um, like look at it and be like oh right this is true yeah if they'll look we just count as opposed to look at what you just uh, paid for look at all this information we just paid for Right. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because I think there's already data on all of that. But yeah, we know. We know there's a correlation between all of these things. Right. So, well, that's interesting, though. Do they yeah, do they so. have a date on when it's expected no. to be completed? Mm-mm. Are they doing like it's a not in this article study? anyway? I didn't look any further into it. Okay, I'll look into we'll it now. So I uh, want to bring the circle back around. Here we are again. I feel like this topic comes up a lot and um, it's very frustrating. So reading through the news throughout the week and I came across this law targeting pregnant women per usual. And it's the Wisconsin's fetal protection law called ACT. Oh, is this another uh, lock up the pregnant women scenarios? Yes. So it's called Wisconsin Act 292, uh, dubbed the Unborn Child Protection Act. Oh, is this like like that one story I told about the girl that smoked weed before she found out that she was pregnant and went to jail and sat there forever? Mm -hmm. Yes. Great. So um, this is allows for women to be civilly committed. So it's actually only one of four states that allows for this to happen. And so if you're familiar with the Jimmy Rice civil commitment proceedings, which are for sexually violent offenders or sexually violent predators, um, if a community feels that they are still a danger, they can file for Jimmy Rice or 
under the Sexually Violent Predator Act, which allows for that person to have a hearing and if it's found that they're still a danger, they can be civilly committed, meaning they're committed to a civil institution, not a jail, but it's secure and you can't leave. So it is like a jail in that aspect until it's deemed for some unforeseeable amount of time until it's deemed they're not a danger anymore. So it really could go indefinitely and for an indefinite amount of time. So somebody could have served their prison sentence and then they get out and they are civilly committed uh, for some unknown amount of time. So similar kind of mechanism here where anybody and they average in this particular state, Wisconsin, they get about 400 complaints a year, which averages out to a little over one pregnant person being investigated a day. And so basically someone just has to file a complaint through this process under this law and say, hey, they're a danger to their unborn fetus. I'm so And they can be civilly committed by that. They're usually screened by a doctor um, and and it's really kind of questionnaire. And then that board, well, this particular woman they're talking about in this article actually did end up in jail because of it. So they're screened for allegations of unborn child abuse. Unborn child abuse. Yes. And so this became a law in the 90s after this whole crack baby epidemic that quote-unquote crack baby epidemic the crack baby hysteria well they were saying like you know all of these children in urban areas were being born addicted to crack and you know they were having all these issues and and whatnot which was actually just a hysteria created by the media um not to say there wasn't a substantial amount of addiction and substance use disorder happening at that time, but it was not quite what the media made it out to be, of course. So this is when this act was put into place. So the problem is that one legal scholar is pointing out is that when one of these proceedings gets initiated, a an attorney is appointed for the unborn fetus, but not for the mother. So there's like one huge issue. <laughs> Um, so there's that. (laughs) So, and then, uh, women end up, (laughs) women end up incarcerated due to noncompliance. Um, this is also one of the states where women are shackled when they go into labor and the mother can be forced into, you know, whatever, whether it's mental health or substance abuse or, or whatever, some type of treatment until the baby is born. Um, if they don't comply, they can and will go to jail. And also an issue with it is that the law does not require county health officials or hospital workers to report these cases. (laughs) So there's that. How is this real life? Yeah, and so this has been going on here, but the issue why it's coming up again now is because now that abortion is so restricted across the country, if you are in a period where you are still able to get one, but now all of a sudden you find yourself detained for, you know, abuse to the unborn fetus, and you're in that window where you still are able to get an abortion under the law, but you're detained and you can't leave and go get one. It's causing yeah. issues for women yeah. that are stuck in that window. I would imagine. So because they can't leave and they're being um, punished for, you know, abuse of a child that they're or a fetus that they're trying to abort or, you know, whatever. And now they can't. Now they're forced 
So it's just another mechanism for to force women into motherhood when they are not ready, when they are not uh, wanting to do so. And so what I think lawmakers and people who are in the in support of this law fail to recognize is that this can actually discourage women from seeking prenatal care because maybe they just found out, maybe they do have drugs in their system, they just found out, maybe they're going to quit now or whatever, they, they're going to go about it in their own way. But now they don't want to go to a doctor because there's that risk mm-hmm. of being detained and, you know, placed in jail or in a program or whatever the issue Right. Or be. like want to seek help for their addiction to get better for their baby, but are scared right. to seek help because they could get detained. Right. Exactly. That's insane. Exactly. Well, and so, you know, where we kind of see something similar where people are scared to get seek help because that one, there's not available and- Two, they could get detained is when you have um, people addicted to like child porn. Mm-hmm. There is the it's a mandated reporting crime, and so oftentimes people are afraid to seek help, and so in return they escalate and end up violating a child because they right. were not able to seek help without fear of being detained. Instead of working through whatever issue in their brain that is, whatever disorder, dysfunction, dysphoria, whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're ready to and when they're willing and ready to, before they escalate, they never have that opportunity. So kind of works similar here. So this article in particular is uh, on WisconsinWatch.org. It's called Policing Pregnancy, Wisconsin's Fetal Protection Law, One of the Nation's Most Punitive Forces Women into Treatment or Jail. This particular article talks about a woman named Tamara Loitcher. So she went to the Mayo Clinic on August 1st. And she was 29 years old, had suffered depression all of her life. But in recent months, her mental health grew especially desperate. Uh, She struggled to eat, get out of bed, and thinking of harming herself. She had severe hypothyroidism, uh, which obviously made things worse. And so for those not familiar, um, if you do not take thyroid medication when you need to, it can actually cause like delusions. And Mm -hmm. so it can be pretty severe. Yeah, your thyroid can fuck you up in a lot of ways. Yep, and so it causes debilitating depression and fatigue. So she had required daily medication since radiation from cancer treatment had killed her thyroid. But she was unemployed, uninsured, and facing a year-long wait for Badger Care, uh, which was, I think, some sort of type of Medicare-type program. Uh, she was unable to afford the drugs. So then she found out she was pregnant. She went to the Taylor County Department of Human Services saying that she needed treatment. She could not afford for depression and hypothyroidism. Uh, They sent her to the emergency room where she voluntarily admitted herself to the behavioral health unit. So under her reason for admission, the medical records quoted her as saying, I really needed help. An ultrasound showed a 14-week-old healthy-looking fetus. Um, She was very relieved. After several days of reading, resting on the psychiatric ward with a newly prescribed thyroid medication, antidepressants, prenatal vitamins, and supplements coursing through her system, she felt finally relieved and she felt like she was ready to leave. When she went to go check herself out, however, she found that the county had put a hold on her. They requested temporary physical custody under this Unborn Child Protection Act. So um, there were drug tests done upon her when she got in. There were unconfirmed positives for THC, methamphetamines, and amphetamines. Later, she 
contended that she stopped using drugs as soon as she learned of the pregnancy. And again, these were never sent out to labs or confirmed beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the standard Mm -hmm. to incarcerate people, by the way, to find people guilty of offenses. Not under this law, though. (laughs) Yes. So she was civilly detained under this law. Of course, when you ask the director of Children, Youth and Family Manager, she is quoted. It's funny how you can quote things different ways describing the same law, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're talking about a law here that allows for the jailing of pregnant women. Mm Mm-hmm. Purely because they're pregnant, really. Mm -hmm. And somebody finds that they are not meeting society standard of Mm -hmm. whatever. And whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Could be drugs, could be mental health, could be whatever, right? right? So, but then you talk to a youth and families manager and they can package it so nicely. This law is a means of allowing the local health department to begin working with pregnant individuals to help overcome challenges associated with various alcohol or drug concerns, limit the potential effects of continued use on the unborn child and receive necessary treatment and services to assist the individual towards recovery. This early intervention allows for a potentially safer environment for when the child is born. Yeah, nice. Um, I think she went and she got the help she needed and then she went to check herself out. She did all that on her own. She didn't need a law to do that. So every leading medical association that has considered these laws has condemned this punitive approach saying that it harms more than it helps. Pregnancy justice I'll have to talk to them. A legal advocacy group says Wisconsin's fetal protection law is one of the most egregious of the civil statutes in the country. And then it goes in to talk about, you know, obviously the issues, like I said, with abortion being illegal in a lot of states now. Can't even believe I'm saying that out loud. I know. It says that strict enforcement could prevent a pregnant person from leaving the state to obtain an abortion right, which we talked about. And once the state has exercised this jurisdiction, they're free to do all kinds of stuff that are, quote, in the best interest of the unborn child. So the woman who was unable to leave ended up in jail, by the way, because they're saying she was not complying. Wow. Unreal. So let me just circle this background on why this is an issue for those of you who are still like, well, it's helping unborn fetuses. This eliminates people's bodily autonomy. This is an issue because people are individuals and should have authority over their own body, right? Remember how, like, nobody should be forced into vaccines? Like, okay, people should have autonomy over their own body. And so this is a huge issue that will never, ever, ever affect a man or the male population because it only affects pregnant women. So Mm -hmm. that's an issue. That's why men shouldn't be making these laws. Right. I mean, there should just be no, like, laws about it. Yeah. Ridiculous. So anyways, so more women in jail to be shackled (laughs) to give birth. So there's that. In America. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Side note, I was reading about the executions that are happening in Myanmar, which is really heartbreaking, really sad. People are essentially protesting the government and are being executed as a result of that. Or there's like crimes being made up in this closed military court that nobody's having access to and they're being found guilty and being sentenced to execution. And so I find it really interesting that a lot of people I talk to, yes, a lot of young young people, people. I find it really interesting that a lot of people that I talk to are very outspoken against this because it's very anti-democratic and anti, you know, whatever. But let me just remind you that we are still executing people in this country, this democratic country. So, you know, 
I appreciate the passion. I also dis- I disagree with the death penalty anywhere, whether it's the United States or whether it's in Iran. So just throwing that out there as well. Yeah. With that being said, <laughs> we're so excited for what we're going to be bringing you next week. So make sure you tune in. It's a little early Christmas surprise. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Gin and Justice. Bye. All editing for Gin and Justice done by Gin and Justice Podcast. Artwork by Justin Cardone. Photography by Kimber Schwakey. We'll see you next time on Gin and Justice.